I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm looking across the table, and I see Grace Guard Dog Steve. Amen. It's good to, to be back. Got got all the hospital stuff out of the way, and it's good to be back. Matter of fact, it's actually time to share good news. Happy anniversary, Bill. Oh, thank I, you, I Steve. know it's the big 28th anniversary, so it uh, is. I'm for you. Yeah, 28 years. It's just so cool to see the romance of God, you know, in a relationship. And amazing how you can get so close to someone. So, yeah, we had a, a great weekend. Ramona and I got away, celebrated. We had to come back Sunday. My uncle passed away. I'm was, sorry to hear that, Bill. I'm sorry. Yeah, Uncle Charlie. He was a good guy? Loved being around my Uncle Charlie. He was just, he was a picture of just un- unconditional love and uh, acceptance. I mean, that's. Did he li- lead a good life? Did he? Yeah, okay. he did. He no regrets. No, no regrets. He was he was like all my you know I got like forty first yeah, cousins yeah. on my mom's side. He was pretty much everyone's favorite. So I'm gonna miss him a lot. He was just just one of those people you just love being around. You know, could hang out with. Yeah, all the time. Never felt uncomfortable around him. Just always felt totally relaxed. But yeah, it was it was a good weekend, and I got I did get to see my cousins, who I don't see a lot, so that was good. That was a good point, yeah. And I'll see my uncle Charlie again. Amen. Amen. Know that, so that goodbye is not forever. Right. That's what I hope we have tonight. Is just a good, relaxed podcast where where the spirit goes off, yeah, the way the spirit wants to go. It was. Kind of just gotten started doing Bible studies and stuff right before I got married. Yeah, that was 28 years ago. Yeah. I do believe there's a picture of you in a penguin suit at the wedding. (laughs) It's true. It's true. And we were Bible nerds back then, too, now that you mention it. Yeah. I can remember staying up all night just reading the Bible. That was back then. Yeah, I remember looking for a Christian cruise. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thinking there was such a thing yeah yeah it's just a cruise just a cruise yeah you know i was looking at old wedding stuff and our invitation had one of my favorite verses now and it was a verse i i guess i knew then I'm not sure why we chose it. it just the words were cover of the wedding invitation 
encouraged, be encouraged in having our hearts knit together in love, which comes right out of Colossians 2. Yes. You're familiar yes, with that one. Yes, and I, I'm almost familiar with remembering the, the card and everything and the thought behind the card. It's almost like I can vaguely remember that. We took two translations and... Mixed them. Mixed them to fit our doctrine. <laughs> to fit our... What we wanted to say. Yeah. yeah. So, I remember I memorizing that verse from... Because uh, it was also the theme of one of the Mar- Marco Island trips. Aha. Encouraged in heart, united in love. love. Yeah. Those were good events. Marco Island... Retreats, the singles retreat. Yeah, they were full of the spirit. That was that was the name of one of them. Encouraged in heart, united in love. Yes. Have you ever really looked at the thought that goes into that? Into that that we be encouraged in heart, united in love, and then it goes into one of those epinosis prayers. He starts out saying, "For I want you to know how great a struggle I have." For you and for those in Laodicea and for those who have not met me face to face. So that would, let's see, if you weren't in Colossae. Yes. But you were in Laodicea. Yes. It was written to you. If you weren't in Colossae or Laodicea, but had never met Paul face to face, it included you. It's written to you. So, so pretty much, it's this is for everyone. Everybody. This is for everyone, yeah. It's all inclusive. So he says, he wants you to know about this struggle he's having with the church. Paul's commission to proclaim the gospel. Apparently Colossae, Laodicea, and everyone that's not met him face to face. Yeah. And he has this struggle, struggling to get this out there. Then he says his goal is having all of us be encouraged in our our hearts and be unified through this love of Christ, right? So he's saying, how do I get that? This is my struggle. How do I convey this powerful message that would encourage everyone and would unite everyone in this love of Christ? And then he says, there's a purpose that we would have the full riches of complete understanding that we might know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know, it reminds me of the treasures of darkness, because that's exactly where that phrase came from. Right. In Isaiah 45, 3, where he says, I'll give you the treasures of darkness and the secrets hidden in, or the wisdom secretly hidden secret places. Yeah, we talked about that a couple podcasts ago. You know, that whole Isaiah 45.3 is talking about the salvation of the Jews, and it's talking about the salvation of the Gentiles, that they would be delivered. Yes. So Paul is saying that now he's he's sure that this delivery of Jews and the Gentile is going to take place through Christ. He's putting these things together, and he uses language from Isaiah 45.3 to say that, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. But where is it where he says 
there's an epinosis in you remember that word epinosis yeah, maybe you can yeah, ex- yeah. explain it superimpose knowledge yes correct so okay. superimpose knowledge the knowledge that overthrows human intellect right it's in ephesians it talks mm-hmm. about knowing something you can't know yes. or knowing something that overthrows knowledge yeah it actually says overthrows knowledge meaning human knowledge meaning human knowledge and can only be grasped by the spirit because they're they're spiritual words expressing spiritual thoughts so doesn't that seem like his that's what his struggle is in verse one that he wants to share something with us hidden things in darkness and treasures in secret places right he wants to get those to us right things that are understanding was darkened to. He wants to enlighten us. Yeah, just like Second Corinthians 3, 6, where he says, God who said, let light shine out of darkness has caused his light to shine in our darkened hearts to give us the knowledge of the glory of God in the, the face-to-face, face, in the face of Christ. And then it says the same word. We have this treasure in jars of clay. They're all there. So that the all-surpassing glory would not be of us. But be clearly the scene of God. That's what his struggle is here, isn't it? Yes. He's saying that I'm struggling with this, that we would have the full riches of complete understanding and of the knowledge of the mystery. And that's that epinosis. It's a secret wisdom from God. It takes on the, the idea of experiencing God. It's an experiential knowledge. And then he says, all these treasures of wisdom and knowledge are being are to be discerned by the Spirit. Yes. And they're already there, but he wants you to be aware of them. Yes. So much that he's he's actually says the word struggling. And it's it's like it's a guy just wrestling around with this, I gotta get this out, I gotta get this out. Right? Doesn't he actually say, I struggle with all his energy that is in me? He does say that, yeah. Yeah. And so Paul is, I mean, this is, this is it. This is, this is the big ticket that he wants to get across, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, which is the mystery of all mysteries, the secret of all secrets, and really the treasure of all treasures. I think he was right on target when he wrote Colossians 2. I mean, this is a tight book. Yeah. It, 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 he, he stays right to the, the, the course, the, the, the plan in Colossians, and doesn't veer off of it in any way with any of his wording or his word pictures or anything. They all focus in on what he wants us to, to have learned. Yeah, and if you don't mind, maybe we can do the podcast on this. Colossians 2. I think we should because, tell the truth, we've actually been on it for a few minutes. Four or five minutes, so I think we should do it. That's true, and I don't think we got any questions from Facebook. No. We're free just to go wherever the Spirit takes us. Okay. Which is the way I like it. Actually, me too. So let's let's go back to the beginning of chapter 1. Chapter 2. I'm sorry, chapter 2. Which follows chapter two. Yeah. Is what I meant to say. Yes. So two, he's he's talking about this struggle he's having because he wants everyone to grasp 
something that can't be grasped with the natural mind because it, it's something only the spirit can reveal. And this, he wants the spirit to reveal to everyone that this very real teaching that Christ through his spirit is actually in you to do for you what you can't do for yourself. Yes, he came Colossae to tell the people about Jesus who is in you and how much power he has. And he says, in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In other words, you can be really smart. There's no other treasures outside of these. All of them are hidden in Christ. The whole package is in Christ. Yes. And he's in you. My God, I mean, do you realize what he's saying there? He's saying that he put Jesus in these people and that Jesus is everything they need for the exemplary Christian life. This is all you need. Exactly. Fully equipped. Fully equipped. That he's got all of it. Everything that you could ever hope for or dream for as a Christian and everything that you could hope to be as a Christian can come through Jesus's life coming through you. You can blossom. It's just this amazing provision that God ha- God gave us, putting Christ in us, which he says earlier, as the hope of glory. Yes, and that's... The full assurance that this plan that he's put into place is going to happen. Because that's what he wants for Colossae to understand, that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27, he's already said that. The mystery that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Here he's saying the mystery of all the treasures and wisdom and revelation are in Christ. Mystery, mystery, mystery. It's about Christ living his life through each and every one of us so that we will shine. And the only way for us to shine is to let him live through us. Exactly. Now you see what his fear was. Yes. Paul's fear was. Yeah, let's go to that verse. Because that verse will tell us what his fear is, and it's important for us to know. It's a real fear. Yes. <laughs> and you're going to be surprised at what it is. Right. So he says in verse 4, I'm telling you this about all the whole fullness of Christ in you. Yes. He says, I'm telling you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. I'm telling you this so that no one deceives you by fine-sounding arguments. And he says later on, or takes you captive right, through philosophy. Because eventually in the letter he would say those fine-sounding arguments were the elementary principles of the world. So what's the big deal there, Steve? What, yeah. Why why be afraid of someone just bringing on a little supplemental teaching a, a about little here's law. a law? Yeah, a little law can't hurt anyone, right? Because it leavens the whole bunch, and a little law means there is no grace at all. The two are not mixable. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Ways to failure. He's afraid of this. Yes, he's not afraid of devil worshippers or <laughs> no. He's, no. fa- he's afraid of well-meaning Christians adding to the gospel. And doing the best they can for God instead of living by God's power that's already in them. 
Why join the promise keepers if you have the promise keeper and the promise maker inside of you, exactly. living their life and doing for you, keeping the promises? And, and those would be some of the promise keepers would be an example of some of those fine sounding arguments or those persuasive words where people just captivated you with this thought about we can be promise keepers and we could do this and as you know there is no more promise keepers because they couldn't keep their promises they went down the tubes i hope everybody realizes that is that the promise keepers demolished itself it, 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 with its it, legalism and he was afraid of that something he was a, like he was afraid of that yes so then he goes on to say just have as you have received the Lord, so walk it. And I can't reiterate how strong this therefore is, is here. right. He's saying, therefore, now that you've received all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ, now that you've received these full riches of complete understanding, you have all the power to live the Christian life. You have all the wisdom you need to live the Christian life. You have all the strength you need to, to live the Christian life. You have everything you need supplied by the Spirit. He says, therefore, continue just the way you learn this or receive this. It's the word para, what is it? Paralambana, I think it is. Yes, and it's passive voice. This is the part that's the mind blow. Just as you received him, passive voice. You didn't go, wow, I'm an intellectual, and I find that that's a fine-sounding argument. I think I'll believe that. You didn't know that at it all. Wasn't, it wasn't. You weren't smart enough to, to dig on this gospel. It was passive voice. God is, persuaded you to receive Christ, and that's what he's saying. Just as you received him, passive voice, now live in him. Passive voice. voice. Let him do what he does best through you. Dependence is a good meaning of mm -hmm. passive. Yes, yes. Uh, fully dependent means you're fully passive. It does. But you're completely exploding in action of his life. Working harder than all the rest. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and this grace was not in vain, for I labored harder than all the rest, but it wasn't me. It was the grace of God in me because I was passive as I was laboring harder than all the rest. Yeah, so passive means what he prayed about, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would work. The spirit of God, like it says in 1 Corinthians, the spirit of man knows the thoughts of man, but the spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. Yes. Therefore, he's given us his spirit so we can know the mind of Christ. We can have the mind of Christ, the doctrine of Christ, the teachings of Christ. The memory of Christ. The memory of Christ that activates the spirit of Christ, the power of Christ, the faithfulness of Christ, the obedience of Christ, mm -hmm. and the exemplary life, life of Christ. Christ. And he's saying that all you need for the life of Christ is Christ. Yes. And that's what you have. Yes. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I might add the only hope of glory. Right. Is better put. Those who wait on the Lord will rise up as if they're on eagle's wing. And you know why it's the only hope of glory, Steve? Because mm -hmm. there's not another one needed. There, yeah. 
these empty, hollow philosophies, these, they're other hopes that you don't need. And it's not that you just, they're not just unnecessary baggage, they're shipwrecking doctrines. And that's why, that's what Paul is afraid of. Let me actually go off show you how the beginning of this letter is written, you'll see that he's talking about and giving credit to the Christ within you and not your human effort. Look at how this letter starts off. Yeah. Paul says in chapter 1, verse 4, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Who does he give thanks to? God. To God and Jesus. He says, what is he giving thanks for? Since we heard of your faith in Christ and the love you have for all the saints. Since we heard about you guys manifesting faith in Christ and love for all the saints, we started giving God thanks. They heard about it. Not men. They heard about it. It was a reputation that was building. And Paul is saying, I give God the thanks for that. Then he says in verse 8, he says, I've not ceased to stop praying for you, asking who? Asking God that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I'll guarantee, Bill, you want to say what that word filled means. I do. I knew you did. I knew you did. (laughs) To be filled means to be under the influence or controlled by. Yes. The spirit. Yes. That you be filled, that you be controlled in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that, listen, he's praying to God so that you may walk in a manner worthy of God. Why would he pray to God for that? Because he knows you can't walk in a manner worthy of God. God has to make you walk in a manner worthy of God. Like Christ. Yes, and that you would, in all respects, bear fruit in every good work. Every good work? Bear fruit. I know you want to go off on that. Well, just the fact that every good work doesn't... Bear fruit. No. But he wants us to bear fruit in every good work. And what did John 15 say? Abide in me, and And I I abide in you, and you'll bear bear much fruit. fruit. For apart from me... You can do nothing. So that is what the fruit of the Spirit is. Paul wants to make sure that they bear this good fruit. By the Spirit's power. And the only way to do that is to tell them about the Spirit's power. That's what he's been trying to teach the people at Colossae. And that's what he was afraid somebody else would knock them off course with some persuasive arguments that... Fine sounding. Yes, that sends you down the wrong path. This is big time stuff to be aware of. Yes. And then it even goes on increasing in the experience of God 
and strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. I'm seeing a lot of things here, Steve. For one, I'm seeing that first off, it's the gospel from mm-hmm. start to finish, and it's the gospel that is the persuasive power of God to Amen. bring about this faith. Amen. From Literally, like in Romans, it says, from faith to faith, or out of his faith and into yours. His belief becomes your belief, which yes. is the faith of Christ, which is Christ in you, which that's what his prayer was about. That Christ in us, the hope of glory. And hope means that this is going to happen. And you can be fully assured and fully persuaded. I want to say hopeful to describe hope. But yeah, yeah. I'm going to because I can't come up with another word. But So he's saying that and then he prays that the, that the spirit would, this epinosis would come upon you. Yes. That you would see this hope that you have. That... And he prays that the Spirit would unite the whole church together. Mm-hmm. No denominations mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. A united church in full assurance. A united church united in love. That the love that God, I, I almost said God has. That's, that's a mistake to say God has love. God is love. If he has love, then you might have to ration it. Right. <laughs> but he is love. So yes. he, so all the fullness, by putting Christ in us, we have the love of God shed abroad in our heart. And that's what unites us. That's what makes us of one mind. Yeah, and so we're welded together, as that one translation said, in full assurance of hope, united in love, driven by love, persuaded by the love of God to do these good works. And so he says all this and then... He gives a couple warnings, like he's really afraid that people are going to come in, because they do. Because they do. They, and they, they still do. Yeah, just like we're afraid that people will, through persuasive arguments and fine-sounding arguments and talking about the elementary principles of the world, they'll turn you around from the simplicity of the gospel, which is the simplicity of Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians one twenty seven, And then it goes on in 29 to say, For this purpose I labor, striving according to God's power within me. I want you to know how great a struggle I'm having on your behalf. And you guys at Laodicea and everywhere, I want you to understand the knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ himself. This is what Paul and the guardians of grace want you to get. It's about Christ, not you. It's about Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he uses strong words. He's saying, see to it that no one takes you captive by empty, hollow philosophy. That word captive is the same word that they use for stolen goods. See, make sure someone doesn't steal you away with empty, hollow philosophy that depend on the traditions of men and the elementary teachings. of the world rather than according to Christ. Christ. I just finished the verse that you were quoting. Yes. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. You've got the fullness of deity dwelling in you. 
in that's, each and every one of us. We've got it. We are the, the fullness in him. The fullness of the deity dwells bodily. Yes. It's that word pleroma. You know what the next word, next sentence says? Go, go. And you have been, he changes the word around and says, you've been pleomerized. He turns it into mm-hmm. a verb. Mm-hmm. You've been made full. Made it's, full. You don't need to go to a fullness seminar, mm-hmm. a wholeness seminar. Or a commitment seminar. Or a commitment seminar, yeah. Or a formula seminar. This is how you do it. Just do these three things, these three things that begin with an R. I'll make three rhyming words that begin with R's and tell you you've got to do them. And that it's all just, it's junk. It's dumb, as Paul said. Well, here's the thing. He says they, they depend on the elementary principles of the world, and it says they have the appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship. And let me just point out that, Bill, you're alluding to or paraphrasing verses that are in the Bible. Yeah, if you could read that. Yeah, because we're talking about Colossians 2, the last three verses. It says, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which refers to things that are destined to perish in accordance with the commandments and the teachings of men. These matters which have to be sure... The appearance of wisdom in uh, self-made religion, in self-abasement, in harsh treatment of the body, but they are of no value against fleshly indulgence. They have no value. They so they have, lies, but have no value at all. It won't get you to the exemplary Christian life that you want. It says, "Well, oh, come on, Steve." They. There's a little value there, right? Yeah, it's actually anti-value. It's destructive. So that's why he was worried. You sow corruption when you adhere to these elementary principles of the world and you get yourself on the do-not-taste-do-not-touch treadmill of self-performance. You reap corruption and you fall short of pleasing the people around you. You do, and I I think it's time for a Galatians warning here. Go ahead, Bill, do it. Give the Galatians warning. Oh, no. (laughs) That warning belongs to Guard Dog Steve. Go (laughs) ahead, take it, Steve. Oh, you foolish Galatians, after having begun with the Spirit, are you now going to try and attain the goal by human effort? Isn't that the same thing he's telling the Colossians when he says, therefore, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. You've received this full package. Don't go to no, just elementary give God principles. Credit for what he does through you. Speak and act as those who will be judged by the perfect law that gives freedom. Just say, it's not me doing it. It's God in me that is making it a beautiful day. I think there's only really one reason why I turn to elementary principles and why really anyone would turn to... You had the... You got caught up in the idea of trying not to sin. You, you did. Yeah. And I think what... The reason I did is because I didn't have a full understanding or confidence that Christ in me, the hope of glory, was enough. 
I thought it was a good start. Now it needed a little commitment. I don't know why I thought that. It's just my natural mind. I thought that. I can tell you why I did. I'll tell you. I'll admit my ignorance. I just could not understand these spiritual thoughts expressed in spiritual words. When they went into something about the spirit and the spirit that's in me. Lost and, and what Christ did at the cross and all those things. I just was reading sentences that did not have any meaning. They didn't register with me. I had to be using my human brain because I could not comprehend what those Bible verses were saying. All I could do was keep reading until I found a verb and then say, oh, I shouldn't do that verb. There's the verb. And that was the only parts of the Bible that I could understand. I couldn't understand these heavenly things about you being born again and that the sperma of God is placed in you. None of those thoughts I could understand. I did not know what it meant to walk by the Spirit. That little phrase had no meaning to me. How could it, Steve? It's, yes. a, it's a spiritual thought. Exactly. Expressed in spiritual words that no natural mind, no natural mind, can grasp. Maybe we should look at the First Corinthians. Um, we, yeah, we will. There's a passage in Isaiah 55, and you've heard it quoted I, a thousand I, I times. Heard you have. You probably heard the first part of it exactly. numerous times. For our ways are not His ways, and our thoughts are not His thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways, and so are his thoughts higher than ours. And then it usually ends. Yes. Where does that leave us? Right in the predicament I was in. Yeah. His his thoughts were higher than mine, and I couldn't comprehend them. So I picked all the verbs and just said, I'll try really hard to do these verbs. And so we thought that was the whole point, that his thoughts are not ours and his ways are not our ways. We're just different. Right. When it told us the good news that he was going to give us the ability. That's what the rest of the passage in in Isaiah 55 says. So he sends the rain, like Mm -hmm. his word, Mm -hmm. and the snow that waters, supplies the spirit, and accomplishes bearing fruit. All there right in the same passage. And it's what Paul is saying. Therefore, since I'm supplying you with the spirit... Since I'm supplying you with the ability to do for you what you can't do for yourself, live according to that ability that the Spirit supplies. That's why he says the word, therefore. Therefore, since I've given you everything you need for life and godliness, Mm -hmm. use it. Stick to it. Depend on it. Don't add to it. No. Don't add to it because you don't need to. No. We can blossom as Christians. If we just let Christ blossom through us. If we just get this idea that apart from him, we can do nothing. Yeah. And we look at that as one bookend. Mm-hmm. And then we go to Philippians. Mm-hmm. And we look at, I can do all things through, it's literally in Christ, mm-hmm. who gives me the strength as our other bookend. And we live between those two. I can do all things in him. Apart from him, I can do nothing. If those are our two parameters and boundaries, 
then we don't need to buy the book, Boundaries and Parameters. We don't need to buy that book, Boundaries and Parameters. That's <laughs> funny, Wilbur. That's funny. We don't need to buy any books. That's what he's that's what he's saying, Steve. It's pretty simple. It becomes such a simple message. It's so simple and it sounds so simple, it sounds simplistic when you and I just say it right now for what it is, but that is the new covenant that we're under. He said, I'll make a new covenant and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and live exemplary Christian lives. And you'll not have to teach anybody to know the Lord because you'll all see me from the least to the greatest and your sins and lawless deeds. I'll remind you that I'll never remember. Amen. That's it. There's more here in Colossians. I mean, there's so much more here. Sure. I don't know how much we want to get on this one podcast, but let me just go to verse 13. Okay. And then we'll come back. But when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh or human nature or sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave you how many of our sins, Steve? All our sins, mm-hmm. having canceled out the written code or the charge of your legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it out of the way. So, yeah, what did the law do? Yeah, well, let's just say what Jesus did. Do you see? He ended the law. That passage just said he ended the law. He took it out of the way. And we had nothing to do with this. We had nothing to do with this. He forgave all our transgressions. Remember, your sins and lawless deeds, I'll remember no more when I start this new covenant. Well, at the end of the cross, which is what Colossians is telling us about, he ended that old covenant by taking its decrees and nailing them to the cross. And that was the end of the law. And so that was taken out of the way. So where was the law in terms of having a relationship with God? It was in the way, wasn't it? It was in the way. What else does it say about these rules and regulations and codes and elementary principles, which are all tied into this? It says they were hostile to us, doesn't it? Yes. They were opposed to us. They were against us. So he says he took it out of the way. And what did he do when he took it out of the way? It says he disarmed the one that condemns us. Do you know there's there's nothing to condemn me or you or any Christian out there when the law is taken out of the way? Exactly. In terms of having a relationship with God. He took something that was in the way, causing you to think that God was hostile to you. Mm-hmm. and against you and opposed to you, mm-hmm. he took it out of the way. And now you cannot be accused of something that's being been taken out of the way. Where does that leave us, Bill? If all the sins are gone, where does that leave us as Christians? Don't we have anything to do? Yes, we do. There is a, a new covenant. We live and try and please the people around us and live the best life we can as Christians and do the best that we can as Christians, but we do it by the power of God and not our own human determination. 
by resting. If there's something yes. to do, he says, make every effort to enter that rest. Hebrews. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 3. Making every effort to enter that rest may mean telling your friend that wants you to join Promise Keepers. No, thank you. That's true. That's how it would look as it's working itself out. And politely. Yeah. And, and lovingly. But he's. But Paul is saying, Paul, uh, I can't emphasize this enough. Paul is actually a, was afraid of these teachings coming in and legalistic teachings coming in. They weren't teachings like it's okay to have sex outside of marriage. No, no or one was teaching that. It's okay to smoke and drink and go to the bars and there, yeah. There's no church teaching that. They, they just don't. I've never seen one. I've never gone into one. I've gone into plenty of legalistic churches. You know what the best way to get someone to go to the bars are? Start Tell preaching me. about against going into get bars. To the bars, yeah, because then sin springs to life. Romans seven and takes a military position and overwhelms your human determination and makes you a prisoner to embarrassing yourself again. It's the same thing. The best way to get someone on the porn sites. Tell them not to do it. If I was the devil and wanted him to do it, I would, thou shall not go to the porn sites. But if we were just talking about Jesus and his good goodness, they wouldn't even be thinking about porn sites. You don't. They would be tripping out on the message. Which you do. That's why he says, therefore, you got everything you need. Yes. We have all the fullness of the deity dwells in him bodily. And then the next verse, I know we went over this, but I'm going to just repeat it. That word was pleroma, the fullness. Paul just makes up a word for us. Mm-hmm. says we've been pleromarized in the English. Yeah. We've been made complete. Yes. What do you lack if you've been made complete? Elementary principles that you need to add to it? You don't need those. You lack nothing. No. Uh-uh. So why add these Do's supplements? And don'ts. Because the fact of the matter is we're all trying to do the best we can. Yeah. We're trying very hard. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavily burdened, and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That was to people who were trying very hard. I'll say this about legalists, because I've been a legalist, and I'll probably be legalist again in my thinking from time to time. The legalists and the guardians of grace actually do have the same goal. Both of you to live the exemplary Christian life. They have the best of intentions. Make no mistake about it. That's what we want. We want you to defeat sin. And so do they. Yeah, we want you to live the sinless Christian life, and we want you to be able to say, I'm making it. I'm not a failure. We want you to have that ability to say, I'm not failing as much as I used to. We want you to fail less and blossom more. And it's just that the accountability partner and those things are not going to get the goal. They'll actually do the opposite. Yeah. Not if you believe the Bible, because the Bible just told you they had no value. It did say that, didn't it? They lack any value whatsoever at restraining sensual indulgence. They they actually do the opposite. Yes. 
And it they, doesn't matter how silver-tongued the preacher was and how great at making arguments he was, he was leading you down the wrong path by saying you need to depend on these things in yourself or you won't be pleasing to God. Exactly, Steve. So, caller, I hope that helps. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. That's funny. That's funny. I've always wanted to say that, too. That's why I said it. Okay, I'm... caller, I hope that helps. Next. <laughs> That's funny, Bill. That's funny. No, but, but seriously, Steve, the reason he's saying this is the idea that the goal of the Christian life is to stop sinning is not the goal at all. The, the goal of the Christian, to be perfect, is not the goal of the Christian life. The goal of the Christian life is to be 100% dependent on Christ in you. That's what gives God glory. People don't realize that this whole new covenant is literally about manifesting. That's what God wants. That's why he gave the tree of life. We have to Dependence start. on the tree of life is the life he wants us to live. We have to start doing some podcasts on manifesting and show how these epistles, the importance they put on manifesting and how it's all about manifesting. We are supposed to be vessels that manifest Christ to people. End of story. End of story, and it comes through dependence upon him. Exactly. And addiction. That's what makes his redeeming work that's what makes us a trophy of his grace, is his redeeming work in our lives. I like that. that comes from. I, I like love that, that term. Yeah. That life that's dependent upon him is what gives God the glory. And if it's living a perfect life, honestly, I don't think that's what we're supposed to do. I think we're to live a dependent life. Yes, we're, we're not supposed to All live our... a perfect life for God. We're supposed to live a perfect life by God. By God. So he takes us with all our faults, mm -hmm. all our shortcomings, mm -hmm. all our inadequacies, mm -hmm. all our fears, all our doubts, and he puts this Christ in us, the hope of glory. He puts that in us. And he, that's what Paul is saying, that Christ in you, the hope of glory... The wisdom of, of God was Christ in you. The wisdom of God is for you to be dependent upon his spirit for everything. That's what brings God glory. That's what brings him glory. Is for you to be 100% dependent. And that's why these elementary principles and this get in the way don't do that. They get in the way and they shipwreck it. Yes, they do. They're not only not his way. His way is a life of dependence. But they're also harmful, and they can hurt you because they take you away from dependence to a dependence upon yourself, you to corruption. faith in yourself. You use any of those ideas, you reap corruption. That's what Galatians says. You know what the worst thing that can happen to you is, God forbid, if they actually work, <laughs> then you will be enslaved to that principle the rest of your life. And no one will be able to talk you out of it. Magnoita may never be. For me, it was easy because they didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I guess I got lucky too. Okay, I think 
we have more to. I wanted to cover these therefores, but I think we're running out of time, so I think we Therefore, might have to. We'll close in prayer. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll close in prayer. Go ahead, Steve. Okay, Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word in Colossians, and that we can see what Paul was laboring so hard with all your energy, he said, that was in him. He was struggling using your energy and it was he was a man on a mission he was trying to teach us about Christ the Christ who came back to earth in spiritual form to live in us and do for us what we can't do for ourselves and Paul was laboring so hard and by God's grace I think we can see it we can see the thought behind everything that Paul was doing that's what I'm praying for, is that we be able to see that and we take root in what Paul labored so hard for and worried so much about. But allow us, Lord, to take root in the idea of our dependency on you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. We love you. Thank you. We love you. Good night.